Gentlemen, friends, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is Wednesday, July 28th, 2021, and we are in the middle of the Torah portion of Akef. So yesterday, we did the second, um, I think the second half of the second reading and the third reading. Today, we are going to focus on reading number four. Okay, oh, it's a shorter reading, but it packs quite the punch. So... I feel like, you know, we could always do this summary of what we said, talked about yesterday. You know, any, any in this book, in Deuteronomy, pretty much any summary is going to be, well, yesterday we talked about Moses' final words to the people, and he encouraged them to stay the course. I mean, that's kind of like the general gist of this book. Um, but specifically yesterday, um, he mentioned the idea of keeping our ego in check. It's the ego that is the most I don't want to like over-dramatize, but ego can get us in trouble. And um, we actually studied at Kabbalah Coffee. We started before the pandemic. We continued it during the pandemic. It was called Learning How to Love. It was Hecholtzu. Hecholtzu Ranat, a, a discourse from the fifth Chabad Rebbe. And the whole premise of the discourse was, it was one of our Sunday sessions, the whole, I mean, like a, two years of sessions, but the premise of it was that it's the ego that gets in the way of healthy relationships, that drives us apart as a community. It's ego that, that enables us to fight with each other, you know, even though we think that we're right or whatever it is. It's destructive. It's devastating. It can have such a deleterious, such a negative effect on us and our families and our communities. It behooves us to really get that in check. And Moses, in yesterday's reading, was speaking about ego. He said, when things are successful, don't get carried away. When physically, when things are physically successful, when, 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 there are, when there's a lot of success on a physical level, food and, and prosperity and everything, don't let it get to your head. When you're, spiritually, when you're successful in conquering the land, again, don't let it get to your head about your spiritual, don't let your spiritual ego get the better of you either. Ego is not good no matter what form it takes. Which takes us to today's session. I'm going to share the screen. Let's jump right in. Okay, here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 10, again, just to show you Akev. We got Akev over here. Reading number four for Wednesday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse number one. At that time, says Moses to the people shortly before his passing, the Lord said to me, oh, um, okay, the context is, Moses tells the people, don't be so arrogant. Don't let it get to your head that you're about to go into the land of Israel. You didn't, it's not, it's not because of you and how amazing you are. Again, it's not, it's not trying to disrespect the people, but don't let it get to your head. Recall the mistakes that you've made over the years, including the sin of the golden calf and how I had to rescue you when God wanted to destroy you. And I, and I prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, etc. And Moses now continues that narrative by talking about the second set of tablets that were made to replace the first that he had broken upon witnessing the sin of the golden calf. So at that time, verse number one, the Lord said to me, after he had granted the people forgiveness, hew for yourself, psalacha, hew for yourself, two stone tablets like the first ones and come up to me on the mountain and make for yourself a wooden ark. So just to get this very clear, talking about stones, sapphire stones, God tells Moses, cut the stones, 
bring them up the mountain, make a wooden ark to place the stones into them. And then what? Verse number two, and I, God, this is God telling Moses as Moses reports to the people, God said, I shall inscribe on the tablets the words that were upon the first tablets which you shattered, and you shall place them into the ark, that wooden ark that we just read about in verse number one. A few things, a few important things. What's the, first of all, psalacha, you for yourself. You for yourself. These, the stone tablets weren't for Moses, they were for the people. God wanted them, the people were going to have them, they were going to go into the ark and the Holy of Holies, but what's this hue for yourself? God almost makes it sound like Moses should create stones for his own personal use. Like, what, 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 what does that mean, hue for yourself? The commentaries explain that hue for yourself means that Moses did benefit from carving the tablets. As we've talked about many times before, it says that there was a sapphire mine that Moses found under his tent. And he cut out the stones and the shards, the pieces, the, the remains, he kept. And he became wealthy. How did he become wealthy with sapphire? I don't know. I guess you find someone who wants to buy sapphire. I guess you can. Sapphire itself is probably not going to buy you a loaf of bread. But I guess you find someone who wants sapphire who hooks you up with some gelt. In case you're wondering, well, who did Moses sell it to? And in general, what, what was going on? This is something we know historically and also from Jewish sources. The Jews were not isolated in those 40 years of wandering. They were not isolated. There were traders and travelers that would come back and forth and, and encounter them. And there was an opportunity to buy and sell. You know, some, some guy comes by with T-shirts. Some guy comes by with like, you know, like woven baskets. I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe. Who knows? Either I am joking or I'm not joking. Maybe it was legit. Yeah, Ray. Um, isn't it so that the second set of tablets, um, like the first set, you could see front and back? Uh, you could, but the second set, I don't think so. Is that right? I, you know, it's a good question. I don't remember if that miracle was present or not present in the second set of tablets. They were not. I'm getting confirmation from Nussin. He's, he's going, <laughs> no. They, that they, were, they did not have that miracle. Okay, so that was a very short-lived miracle. But it does say that God inscribed the tablets, right? I shall, I, God, shall inscribe on the tablets, the words that were upon the first one. So um, that is, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Nassin? Nassin, can you check the door? It sounds like someone's at the door. I could be wrong. Okay, back in, yes. I have a question about the sapphire. So... What did Moses need, you know, to sell to make money for? And then wasn't the needs of the, the Jews, like, taken care of, the man up in the desert? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know that he needed it. I don't, I don't think Moses was like, oh, awesome. Now I got myself a new Rolls, like, you know, like, just with big rims. I, I don't think that was, I just picture Moses with a walking stick just getting into a car. I, I don't think that that was, that was the deal. Why, what does it mean that he became wealthy? I have no idea. Did he spend it? I, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine. I, the way, really what, where I was about to get to with this was to say that this has a spiritual meaning. And the spiritual, so physically, I, I don't know what it means. I agree with you. I'm not sure, I'm not sure exactly how, why he would use it. But well, here's. What was, were, were their needs met for the 40 years? Well, I know they got Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. Yeah, they had money from heaven and, and, and they had, you know, some meat and whatever. They all, they were, they were taken care of. They had clo their clothing stayed fresh, as we read. 
Um, yesterday, a few days ago, their clothes did not... Uh... But they saw the material things from people passing through. Yeah, in case somebody needed something, there was an opportunity to interact with others. Um, but here, but let me get to the spiritual idea. The spiritual idea here is that when we carve for ourselves time for studying Torah, our material needs are not neglected. A person might think, well, if I take away time from work, if I take time by lunch or in the morning or in the evening to study Torah, then I'm taking away time from work and, and I'm going to lose money. I'm not going to make as much money as I could have if I worked the whole time. And what we learn here from Moses and the Tablets is, um, which is a great name for a band, Moses and the Tablets, is that you can hew, that, not you can, hew for yourself stone tablets and you will benefit. Create what, hew for yourself, what does that mean? Carve out space for Torah, for tablets, for the Ten Commandments, for Torah. Carve out in your daily schedule, carve out in your life, carve out in your heart and your mind. Space for Torah, for that communion with God's wisdom, and it's not going to take away, it's not going to hurt you in any way. Not for sure not spiritually, but even not financially, practically, pragmatically, it's only going to benefit you for yourself. It's going to benefit you. It's not like I'm giving up money to do what God wants or to, to study God's wisdom. No, you're not going to give up anything. It's going to benefit you like it did with Moses on a physical level. It benefits us when we commune with God. Now, that's one thing. Second point I wanted to mention is this idea of God telling him, um, create the second set of tablets and I'll inscribe the same words that were on the first tablets, which you shattered. Asher Shibarta. In the Hebrew, Asher Shibarta, which you shattered. And it sounds like that's a little bit unnecessary. He tells Moses, I'll replace the ones that you broke. I mean, that sounds like, you know, uh, you know it's just, I'll get you a new car because you smashed the first one. I mean, that's like a little bit of a dig that's unnecessary. Right? Why does he say that? So, I, I don't know if it's Rashi here or elsewhere. It's not Rashi here, but it's Rashi elsewhere that comments on, these, on this same phrase, Asher Shibarta, and says, Asher Shibarta means, Yasher Kochacha Shashibarta. Yasher Kochacha, Yasher Koach. You know that phrase, Yasher Koach? Yasher Koach means job well done. Good on you, mate, as they would say in, in Australia. Um, well done, not referring to a stake. Well done meaning good job. Thumbs up in emoji land. Asher shibarta, yasher kochacha shashibarta, a job well done. Why? Again, a point that we've discussed countless times in classes at IJA is that Moses, by breaking the tablets, saved the Jewish people because the tablets contain the only written evidence of the prohibition against idolatry. And Moses said... I will destroy the evidence of the indiscretion, <laughs> right? They served idols. That wasn't good. How do you know? Ten Commandments. Uh, I forgot them. They're on the tablets. What tablets? Boom. You with me on this? Moses breaks the tablets to save the people. He shattered the tablets to save the people. It wasn't a fit of anger. It wasn't out of a fit of rage. It was out of protecting the Jewish people. Now, did he act as though he was incensed with the people so that they would wake up and get the message? Sure, sure. It's like, it's like in parenting. It's like in, 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 in educating or guiding. Sometimes you have to have the appearance of, you know, sternness because you have to drive a message home. But it's hopefully a parent is not parenting out of anger. That's not a good way to educate or guide, um, but rather out of a place of love and concern and compassion and care. But sometimes it has to be done in a stern fashion. So Moses broke the tablets in a stern fashion, but it was out of love of the people. Let's continue um, with verse number three. 
So I made, Moses continues to, to recall, walk down memory, take a stroll down memory lane to the people uh, poised to enter the land of Israel. Moses said, 40 years ago, after all of this happened, I made an ark of acacia wood. And I hewed, I guess that's the, pa- the past tense, I hewed two stone tablets like the first one. And I ascended the mountain with the two tablets in my hand. And I don't even know why there's a quotation mark that ends there. That makes no sense. Moses continues. And he inscribed, God inscribed on the tablets like the first writing. The Ten Commandments, which the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain from the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. Moses again in the first person. And I turned and came down the mountain with the second set of tablets and placed the tablets in the ark which I had made. And there they were as the Lord had commanded me. Basically, Moses is recounting how the second tablets came about and how the ark of the covenant came about and how the tablets were placed in the ark. Let's continue. Moses continues the, 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 the recollection. The children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Benayakon to Masera. And there, Aaron died. And there he was buried. And Elazar, his son, served as Kohen in his stead. From there, they journeyed, the people journeyed to God, sorry, Gud Goda. Gud Goda. Say that three times fast. And from Gurgoda to Yatvat, a land with streams of water. And at that time, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to serve Him, and to bless in His name to this day. Therefore, Moses recalls here the distinction of the tribe of Levi, the Levites. Therefore, Levi, the tribe of Levi, the Levites have no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is His inheritance as the Lord your God spoke to him. Hashem hu nachalato, what a powerful phrase. God is the inheritance of the Levites. Famously, Maimonides, one second, famously Maimonides mentions, Maimonides declares that it's not only the tribe of Levi from the Levitic family, from the the Levitic dynasty that has the ability to have, to claim God as one's inheritance, but this is available to any single one of us who chooses to put God first and foremost in our lives. When we choose to dedicate our lives to a higher mission, to a higher purpose, to God's vision for our lives, when we choose that, Hashem hu nachalaso, Hashem is indeed our inheritance, just like it was for the Levites. Ray, jump in. I, I just wanted to ask a question. Sure. When and where did Aaron die? Aaron passed away. Aaron passed away. Donna, excellent. Yeah, destroy the evidence. Aaron passed away. Hold on. I'm not sure how he got muted there. Aaron passed away. Um, at the end of the forty years, at Har Hahar, at the mount, at the mount of the mountain. So, yeah. Okay. Take a look at Rashi. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi addresses your question. Verse number six, Rashi. It's a long Rashi. And the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Benayakon to Maserah. So Rashi asks, what is the relevance of this here? Why is Moses recalling it and recounting this detail? 
Furthermore, did they really journey from the wells of Beniyakon to Moserah? Was it not Moserah, sorry, from Moserah that they came to the wells of Beniyakon? It says they went from Beniyakon to Moserah. It's the other way around. They went from Moserah to Beniyakon. As it says, and they journeyed from Moserah and the camp in Beniyakon. Moreover, why does it say that there Aaron died? Did he not die at Mount Har? That's, that's Ray's question. What's going on? Three questions, Rashi says. Number one, who cares? Why is Moses recalling it now? Number two, the order of the travels is reversed. And number three, it says that Aaron died there. He did not die there. He, di- he died at Mount Har. So Rashi explains, if you calculate it, you will find eight stations from Mosero to Mount Har. However, the answer is, oh, that's part of the question. If you calculate, you find eight stations from Mosero to Mount Har. So it says he died in Mosero. In Mosero, he didn't. That's eight stops later. However, the answer is, Rashi says, that this is also part of the reproof. This is part of the criticism. In effect, Moses said, this also you did. When Aaron died on Mount Har at the end of the 40 years, and consequently the clouds of divine glory departed because the clouds of divine glory were, um, were in the, 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 the merit of Aaron. So Moses says, you were afraid of the impending war with the king of Arad. So you appointed a leader to return to Egypt, and you went back eight stations until Benayakon, and from there to Maserah. There the sons of Levi battled with you. They slew some of you and used, and used some of them until they forced you to return by the way, by, by the way you had retreated. From there you returned to Gudgoda, which is Har HaGidgad. Basically, I mean, I, there's really no way to do this unless you have a map and you're able to point it out. And I don't have a map right now in front of me, so we're just going to have to do this you know, in words and in concept. Essentially, Moses is reminding the people of another indiscretion subtly. What's the indiscretion? After Aaron passed away, at the end of the 40 years of wandering, he passed away in Har Har. The people panicked because the clouds of glory disappeared. They dissipated. So the people panicked. And what happened? They said, Oi, let's get a leader and let's go back to Egypt. Once again, you know, that same, that same narrative. Again, 40 years later, they're still saying, singing the same, some of them are still singing the same tune. And so some went back, eight stops, until the Levites went, chased them, and by force brought them back to the rest of the Jewish people. So that's why Moses mentions it. Number one, it's a rebuke. Number two, it's a reproof. A little, little criticism here. Number two, for the sake of correction. Number two, that's why the order of the travels is reversed, because they were going back in this retreat. And number three, that's why it says Moses, um, Aaron died there. doesn't mean he died there. It means because he died, that's why they ended up there, back eight stops. Okay, I hope that made sense, but that answers the question. But Ray asked a very good question. It says that, they, that, Mo, that Aaron passed away. They traveled from Bnei Akon to Peser, and there Aaron died. That's not exactly what happened, but Rashi explains the whole arc of the narrative. Okay, back into the story. Oh, so I mentioned, oh, and that's why this also explains Verse number eight, why, why, the Torah, why Moses tells the people that God separated the tribe of Levi because they were the ones, the warriors, who stood up for God and who kept the people you know, on point, on task, on narrative. Therefore, they were elevated. God is, is the Levite's portion, is their inheritance. And as I mentioned from Rambam, Maimani says, it's not just the physical, biological children, the sentence of Levi, it's all of us, all of us who seek not, not just to seek, all of us who pursue the, um, the divine call, all of us who commit ourselves to, to Hashem's ways, we can claim Hashem as our inheritance. Let's continue, verse 10, 
Moses continues recalling what happened, and I remained on the mountain. Now, it's a little bit of a detour over there, right? With some travels. Back to Mount Sinai. I remained on the mountain like the first four days, 40 days and 40 nights, and the Lord hearkened to me also at that time, and the Lord did not wish to destroy you. So that was the final 30 days, sorry, the final 40 days. He went up the first 40 days and 40 nights to get the Torah, came back down with the first tablets, broke them. Went up for a second set of 40 days, 40 nights to beg for forgiveness, after which God said, okay, I forgive you, forgive the people. Then Moses goes down, makes the tablets, carves, sorry, carves out the tablets, creates the ark, goes back up, and remains another 40 days, 40 nights, and gets the second set of tablets inscribed, and then comes down on the day of Yom Kippur, when everything is restored the way it was, forgiveness, tablets, the whole nine yards. All right, that is why Yom Kippur is such a powerful day. Day of renewal. Verse 11, and the Lord said to, and the Lord said to me, Arise, go to lead the travels before the people so that they may come and possess the land I promised their forefathers to give them. Basically, God said, let's go, get up, Time to move, time to enter the land of Israel. Okay, let me toggle Rashi and see if we... Yes, this is interesting. One second, one second, one second. Okay, God tells Moses all the way back in verse number one to make a wooden ark. Is this the Ark of the Covenant? What is this? Which ark is this? Rashi explains, at the end of the 40 days, which was the first of Elul, that was the second set of 40 days, God was reconciled with me, with Moses, and said to me, hew for yourself two tablets, and afterwards make for yourself a wooden ark. I, however, made the ark first. Right? If you recall, Moses said, I made the ark, and then hewed the, and then hewed the tablets. So Moses made the ark first, because I considered that when I would come with the tablets in my hand, where would I put them? So Moses... Smart, right? Moses says, okay, if I hew the stones, but I didn't make the ark, so then what am I going to do with the stones? Put them on the ground? Put them on a shelf? So first I'm going to make an ark, and then I'll hew the stones, and as soon as I hew them, as soon as I carve them, they'll have a place. They'll have a, um, a box. Yes? Make sense? Yes? It's like 70 facets in a nice, nice little case. It's like, what, you're just going to have the stones and not have a place to put them? So God said, make stones and make a box. So Moses says, I'm going to make a box and then get the stones. That's the way I'm going to do it, because the stones need a box. All right, um, let's continue. This, Rashi clarifies, really important. Oh, by the way, by the way, let me just mention something. Sometimes you have to understand what God is saying, right? If you're Moses, you can understand that God didn't necessarily mean first one, then the other. He can use his own seichel. Seichel means brains to figure out, make the, make the, thing, make the box first, and then get the, get, get the stones. This is a message in life. Use the, use the seichel that you've been given. We have to use our, our minds, our, our intelligence, to sometimes to figure... We've got to use our seichel. Can't just be robots. God doesn't want robots. God wants seichel mentioned, people to use their minds. Let's continue. Um, inside. This Rashi, this was not the ark that Betzalel made. This is not the ark that was commanded in the book of, um, ex, the book of Exodus with, with a gold box, a wood box, and a gold box, the three-layered box, the beautiful ornate box with the, with the cruvin, with the cherubim on top. Remember that box, that ark? This is not that. 
How do we know this? Rashi says, because the Israelites did not occupy themselves with the Mishkan until after Yom Kippur. They didn't make any of the items of the Mishkan, including the Ark, until after Yom Kippur, which is 40 days later. For when Moses descended the mountain, he commanded them regarding the construction of the Mishkan. It's only when Moses came down with the second set of tablets in an Ark that he told them about building the Mishkan and building an Ark. So, what kind of, so this is a different Ark. Are you with me on this? Yes? This is a pre-Ark Ark. Okay, so then Betzal made the Mishkan first and only afterwards the Ark and other furnishings. It follows, therefore, that this was another Ark, right? This is the big reveal of this Rashi. There was another Ark. A functional one, right? Yes, yes. It was a... like the Mishkan. But, but take a look at what Rashi says. And that was the one that went out with them to battle. This was the Ark, this first Ark that Moses made, the functional Ark. Right was the one that went out with them to battle, but the one that Betzal made, the ornate one, did not go out to battle except in the days of Eli, who was one of the high priests, and they were punished for it. When they used it in battle, they were punished for using that ark, and the ark was captured by the Philistines. That was the famous episode where the ark was captured for a while by the Philistines, and it was a whole drama, but why was it captured? It was a punishment for taking out the good ark. I'm not, well, sorry, whoops. I don't want to say good or not good. That's a judgment that I'm not qualified to say. But basically, there's Moses' Ark and Betzal's Ark. Moses' Ark was the more pragmatic Ark, and that was meant to go out and battle with the Jewish people. That went out on the front lines, the Ark. But the uh, Betzal's Ark was not meant to travel, was not meant to go out and battle. Okay, so that's that Rashi, a fascinating Rashi. We spoke about so this one. The yeah. second one is the Mishkan Ark? The Mishkan Ark, exactly. Yeah. Where was the first one kept? Probably also the Mishkan. So it was also around, I'm sure. Okay, we did this one about the timeline and, and Aaron. We did that before. Um, yes. Here we go. Let's read this, Rashi. Amosera, you made a great mourning for the death of Aaron, which was the cause of your retreat. And it seemed to you as though he had died there. Moses juxtaposed this reproof with the breaking of the tablets. Right? Why are we suddenly mentioning... Aaron's passing and the retreat, the panic and the retreat with the breaking, not the JLI retreat, that's something else that you should go to. This was a negative retreat, so many retreats today. So why is this mentioned juxtaposed to the breaking of the tablets? So it indicates that the death of the righteous is as grievous to the Holy One, blessed be he, as the day the tablets were broken. When a tzaddik passes away, it's as sad a day as the day that the tablets were broken. And to inform you that when they said, let us appoint the leader and return to Egypt, and divorce ourselves from Moses, that was also as grievous to him as was the day on which they made the golden calf. Okay, basically sad times when Aaron passes away and when the people were looking for another leader to take them back to Egypt. Let's continue. Um, Rashi says, let's see if there's more Rashi here. Um, Levi did not err. Okay, that we know. Okay, Levi has no portion, let's do this Rashi, since they were separated for the service of the altar, therefore they were not free to plow and sow. They couldn't be farmers, no time to be farmers, they had to perform the service in the Mishkan. The Lord is his inheritance, Levi receives his daily fare designated for him by the king's house, with the gifts due to the Kohanim and the Levites, etc., granted by God. Okay, Moses says, I remained on the mountain, Rashi says, to receive the latter tablets, the second set of tablets. 
Since Moses did not state above how long he remained in the mountain at this last descent, he again begins with it, and he mentions clearly that it was 40 days and 40 nights. Um, as the first days, those are the first tablets, just as those days were with God's goodwill, so were these with goodwill. But the intermediate 40 days, the middle 40 days, when I remained there to pray for you, they were in anger. So God was happy the first 40 days. God was happy the last 40 days. The middle 40 days that Moses was on the mountain was when he was asking for forgiveness for the golden calf, and that wasn't so peachy. Not so peachy parasha. Let's continue final Rashi, and then we're going to close it out for today. The Lord said to me, Arise and go before the people. Although you, Israel, had turned away from following him, and you had erred with the golden calf, God nonetheless said, go lead these people because God forgave. So what's the moral of the story today? We have a bunch of beautiful ideas, I think, beautiful ideas. Number one, I'm just going to go through and, and remind myself of what they were. Number one, carve time for Torah and it will benefit you. Carve time for Torah and it will benefit you and I. It will not take away. That's number one. Number two, sometimes you got to do something dramatic, Right? God said, thank you for shattering the tablets. Thank you for standing up for my people. Even though it meant destroying the tablets, thank you for standing up for a person in peril. The question is, not the question, the, chat, the, the, call, the call to action for us is, do we stand up for those in need? When somebody is in need, when we know somebody that's in a bad place, in a, in a challenging place, are we willing to put ourselves on the line? Are we willing to do something drastic to help? Okay, we talked about the two, the two arcs. And the message is, everything has its place. Take an ark that's not meant to go out into battle, into battle, and it doesn't end well. Everything has its place. Everything is set. Everything has its, its design. And the goal is not to abrogate that, not to mess things up, at least not too much. Okay, um, the next idea that we spoke about was the idea of teshuva, of return. God, God inscribed the second tablets and Moses came down the mountain on Yom Kippur I mentioned earlier and that is the energy of Yom Kippur which is a restoration. If we could use one word that captures the energy of Yom Kippur there's repentance, forgiveness, atonement, at one mint, all that stuff. But you know what? It's really at the core it's about restoration. It's about restoring the pristine shine and core that, that was there before. The Jewish people were in a loving relationship with God, then the sin of the golden calf, complicated times, tumultuous times. Yom Kippur is when they got the second set of tablets and all was restored. And the message for us is powerful. There's a core space within us that can never be um, destroyed beyond repair. There's a core space within us that always remains pure and ready to be restored. It's like trying to think of an example. You know, if a person, if a person believes that they're, you know, in, God forbid, in a negative place and to, to try to fix things or whatever it is, oh, it's going to be impossible. So then it's not going to happen. But if you recognize that the core is still there, all it needs is a little bit of a shine and a polish, a little bit of a, you know, getting rid of whatever's covering it, but the core is there then it becomes much less daunting. It's not, I'm not, I don't need to create something out of nowhere. I just need to restore what already was. Right? Start with a classic car. Okay, it's been sitting in a garage for 40 years, but it's a classic car. It's gorgeous. It's rusted, but inside it's gorgeous. You just need to, 
to, to, bring, it, to bring it back to its glory. But you, don't need to, you don't need to build a new car. You're just restoring the beauty that, that's already there. And that's a message for us. There's beauty inside. We all have beauty inside. Spiritual beauty. And um, it's not about recreating ourselves. It's about restoring the inner beauty that sometimes can get a little bit tarnished as we go through the, uh, the challenges of life. Um, I think I want to mention maybe one more thing. What's the one more thing that I want to mention? Yeah, the inheritance, right? Choose God. It's the real thing. Choose God. We all, there's many choices, many things that we can hitch our, what is it, hitch our something to a, to a wagon or whatever the expression is. So there are many wagons, yeah, many wagons that we can, you know, jump on. But it's good to jump on God's wagon. It's a, it's a good wagon. It's, it's a very good wagon to, uh, to connect with. That's our inheritance. That's our reality. That's our portion. It's our identity. These are good things. Okay. And, and with that, we'll close it out. We have uh, a bit of a quicker session, a bit of a shorter reading today. Um, so those are the messages. And I'm sure there are many more that we didn't have Thank a chance you. to cover. Pleasure. Don't forget, tonight we have Torah studies at 7.30. It's an unbelievable class. The topic is, once you pop, you don't stop. Something like that. I think that was the slogan for Pringles, <laughs> right? So the idea here is to... All right, I don't want to give too much away, but the idea of commitment and seeing things through to the end, we'll have an elaborate conversation about it on many different levels, morally, ethically, spiritually, practically, from a perspective of hashkafa and halacha, which means Jewish philosophy as well as, and perspective as well as Jewish law. It's going to be an incredible right. conversation in class tonight, all starting at 7.30 live and in person, as well as on Zoom. So join us. Either way is good. In person, of course, you get the, uh, the wonderful refreshments and, if, and you get the, the experience of being in person, but online is also amazing. All right. Looking forward to seeing you. Don't forget, if you are in town Sunday, very important, if you're in town Sunday, please join us at 5 p.m. for our incredible summer barbecue. Great food, great friends, great times celebrating life and our good fortune to be here. So that's coming up Sunday, 5 p.m. Join us for that. All right. Um, I think that's it. Let me stop sharing so I can see everybody. Donna, great to see you. Ray, great to see you. Sandrine, great to see you. Sarah, great to see you. Olia, great to see you guys. All right. Um, questions or comments before we close out? No, thank you so much. Pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure. Rabbi. Pleasure. Okay, good. Don't forget, Donna will be at Pond City Market this afternoon starting at 4? Yes. 4 o'clock. So join Donna and the rest of the crew over at Pond City Market, the shed at, Pond, at PCM. So if you're coming from Chabad on the Beltline, let's say, so you would walk over Ponce. It's about a 60-second jaunt. You get to the pots, you continue going. On the right side, right across from Kroger, you'll see a bit of a shed. It's outdoors, it's covered, shady, shady shed. And you walk under there and you enjoy all of the wonderful stands and stations and, and vendors. Look for the gemstones. <laughs> look for the gemstones. Look for Donna. Yes. All right. All right. We'll see you all soon. Take care. Have a wonderful day.
Thank All right. You. Bye, everybody. Take care. Bye. See you soon. Take care.